and uh, so much of us know about that. Um, brother Brian, I see you here. I'm going to ask you to stand, my brother, if you would. His dad is here, and I appreciate Brother Brian Simmons, who is a faithful man and has uh, kept his son in church all of his life. Amen. Thank you, Brother Brian, loving the Lord and being a good example uh, to your son Stephen and being being a faithful man, and I thank you for that. Stephen was always uh, one of those young men in the church and one of those young men in the youth group that um, had a certain tenderness about him and uh, tender in the things of God, uh, respectful to authority, and always seemed like the kind of young man who uh, really didn't care much about flirting with the world. He just wanted to live for God. And... Even even uh, in his younger years in the youth department and going up to the youth department, uh, Stephen had a good testimony, and uh, and that was and that was consistent. You know, sometimes people's lives go like this a little bit, and they finally get settled in and get in the in the middle of the road. You know, and uh, but uh, it seemed like Stephen always had his mind that he wanted to live for the Lord, and he kept that through his life. And uh, and I'm grateful for that. Amen. And uh, uh, Stephen, uh, he's not fancy. Uh, there's not a thing in the world spectacular about Stephen. <laughs> he is Mr. Steady, sincere, genuine, steady as you go, with his mind made up to do something for the Lord. Amen? Amen. Can I tell you something? There's not a lot of great things done for God by spectacular people. But there's a whole lot of faithful servants spotted around the world whom God is using in a great way. And God's already using, Stephen, those of you that get their missions letters updates, every time they send out a letter, he's talking about people that just wonder Christ and his wife's wonder Christ. And so this is, uh, this is not a game to him. Uh, this is uh, a call of God upon his life. And so... Uh, Stephen, I'm I'm thankful that you're here. I rejoice in God's call upon you. I'm very proud of you. Very proud of you. Stephen's the kind of young man that would come to pastor for advice and guide us along the way. And uh, and sometimes he'll call. Can I can I ask you? Got a few minutes? Can I ask you? And I'm always happy uh, when he does. Uh, Stephen, you've grown up here. You've been trained, and uh, I've taught you, and others have taught you. You have read a, a copy of uh, the Constitution and the doctrines that are outlined therein and the scriptures that go along with those. Stephen, do you believe the doctrines presented to you as recorded in the Statement of Faith of Bailey's Grove Baptist Church? Do you believe them as your own? Yes, sir. Stephen, if the day comes that you no longer hold to that Statement of Faith, would you willingly surrender your ordination papers? Yes, sir. All right. That's what an honest man would do. Stephen, I want you to come give word a testimony and uh, share what God's done in your life, what he is doing. Well, good evening, y'all. Good evening. I'm... Uh, shy by nature i suppose i I get a bit nervous when i'm the center of attention and when i speak in public so naturally i'm in this line of work um but it's good to see you all tonight i um i I don't want anyone to look at me and think i'm something special i uh in in bible college and some of you will know it by saying he was the bus director but uh, he had a saying the bus director at hiles anderson he would say he feels like a, a turtle on a fence post which uh if you see a turtle on a fence post you know one thing he didn't get there on his own so uh Pastor, you're saying these kinds of words about me, and I appreciate it very much so. But uh, I'm not here through my own merit, through my own efforts. If you want to know who's responsible for me being where I am today, just look around you. This, this room is full of people that, that have invested in me, both their time, their money, and their, and their energy. There's so many Sunday school teachers that put up with me. There's people crazy enough that went to camp with me. And uh, it's just it's a real honor to be, be a part of this church. You truly have something special here. And uh, the more I get around and visit other churches on deputation, the more I appreciate what I have to come back to here. I, uh, I've told my testimony before. If you remember it, just pretend you don't, and uh, I'll go along and tell it anyways. 
But uh, I, I grew up in a home where we'd, uh, we'd go to church. Now, I had the decision whether I, I could decide whether I wanted to go to church or not. Uh, I, however, did not have the decision of whether I would go to church or not. I just could go and not like it if I wanted to. But uh, we, we were coming here, I believe, before I was born, <laughs> if I remember right. <laughs> I don't remember much from back then, but uh, <laughs> from what I'm told. But uh, ever since we had the, uh, the old building was our, our main auditorium, and then we had the... Uh, the, the big, you know, big push for this, this auditorium. We're in here tonight. I've still got that, uh, the excitement is building song stuck in my head. But uh, some of you remember, maybe some of you don't. But uh, I, I remember when I was four years old in the uh, old auditorium there, and uh, I, I saw people getting in the, in the baptistry and getting baptized. And uh, I got curious. I wondered what all that was about. We had a, a swimming pool at our house when I was little, and I remembered liking, you know, getting in the water, so why not be able to do that at church? Um, and there, that was just that was my honest approach to it. I was I was I believe I was four at the time, but it was uh, January 29, so uh, leap year, day that comes once every four years. And I asked my dad, "Why are people getting in the water? Can I can I get in the water?" And uh, like any good father, he he told me the plan of salvation. He asked me all the right questions, and I gave him all the right answers. But I I didn't understand what he meant. I was just a little too young to to fully understand. I just had one thing on my mind: is I'll say whatever I've got to. I'm getting in that water tonight. But, uh, and, and, and the pastor talked about it this morning, baptism. You can get baptized before you're saved. It doesn't mean you're, it's not a, not a representation of you're being saved. Just like you can wear a, a wedding ring before you're, you're married, it doesn't mean anything. But uh, as far as anyone else could tell, that evening I got saved and I got baptized there in front of the church. And the next uh, eight years, I believe, of my life, everybody thought that I was saved. Uh, everybody except for myself, that is. I, I knew uh, very shortly after, I was probably around six or seven, when I started actually having thoughts of, I don't remember, you know, I don't remember trusting Christ as my Savior. I just remember what people tell me. And uh, it got to a point in my life where I was, I was very, you know, like, like anybody does when they're, when they're under conviction, I was uncomfortable. I, uh, I believe I was 12, if I remember right. And I went to a youth conference in Hammond, Indiana. And uh, whoever it was that was preaching that night, he was preaching on, on Judas. The, uh, the 12 disciples, people that, that spent the most time with Jesus here on his earthly ministry, uh, Twelve of those people that, that witnessed him perform miracles right there in the flesh. And uh, one of those twelve still ended up being lost. Now, they didn't have the uh, the terminology back then, but if you had asked Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, and all the other disciples, as a joke. But uh, <laughs> if you were to ask them then uh, and, and say, is Judas saved? They'd say, of course he is. He's, he's one of us. He's just like us. He, he's, we're, we're doing all the same things he is. They would have said, of course so. And, and just the same. I'm sure that the church family would have said the same about me. But I knew I was lost. And uh, the pastor was talking about don't be a Judas. There's, there's absolutely nothing worth going to hell over, folks. Uh, there was, there was the, the silliest thing in my mind was, was uh, what about the, the January 29th, or not January, February 29th, that, that leap year day when, when everyone thought I got saved. My dad thought that was the neatest thing. You know, a day only comes once every four years. So I was sort of wrestling with God in my mind saying, well, maybe I can wait until next February 29th. This is the middle of July, like two years away from, from leap year, if I remember right. Just, it, it's so silly now, but at the time it was such a, it was such a, a, a monumental excuse, a monumental hesitancy for me. And something I, I just, anything that the devil could throw at me to say, well, well what about this? What about that? Why, why can't you put it off a little longer? The truth be told, I didn't know I'd, I'd make it back home from youth conference or anything like that, just like none of us know if we'll make it home this evening. But uh, I knew one thing for sure, if I did die on my way home, that uh, that next day I knew I was going to spend eternity in hell. I, uh, I, I didn't want to feel embarrassed, I didn't want to feel um, ashamed or anything like that, because I was sitting next to, next to my youth group, next to my pastor, the, uh, the other disciples beside me, and here they are, I'm, I'm Judas. But uh, I got it settled that night, I had told God, I, I, knew, I knew how to get saved, I knew I was on my way to hell. I just wasn't ready to admit it, I suppose. So I, I ran down to the altar that night, and I told God very plainly, I'm on my way to hell. I'm a sinner. I'm going to hell when I die. And I asked God to forgive me and accept his gift of salvation. And yep. praise the Lord, I'm saved. Yep. The, uh, the following year, did this, did this thing lose weight? It was, big. it was bigger before, I thought. I'm sorry. That, I knew something was off. Um, I, uh, oh boy. <laughs> no, it's okay. The old one was heavy. <laughs> oh. Now that I'm on track. <laughs> if you wonder who Stephen Simmons is, that right there was Stephen Simmons. <laughs> oh, y'all don't know what Brother Hamlin's put up with all these years. <laughs> anyway, I don't remember what I was getting at. I'm right on track. 
uh, my call. That's what it was. Uh, the following year, after I got saved, I was 13 years old. I believe I was 13 at the time. We, uh, we went to Hillsville, or Nowheresville, Virginia, depending on what you want to call it, and uh, the type of camp you go to, and no, no phones allowed, and the people dumb enough to bring their phones found out there's no service within 10 miles of here type of place. And it was always fun to see the light die out of their, their eyes and their phone as they got to camp and realized they can't call any of their friends, even though all their friends were at camp anyways. But uh, that aside, we, uh, we went there, and uh, several years in a row I, I went to camp. And uh, I remember one particular night, Pastor Rick Finley was, uh, was preaching, and he talked about in uh, John 6 where that the young boy had five loaves and two fishes, and uh, Jesus was going to feed 5,000 people, and nobody had any food. They said if we worked for, you know, 200 penny worth isn't enough that everyone could take a little, and that's not exactly how it goes. I just don't remember it directly in my mind. But uh, they said, if, you know, essentially if we worked for 200 days, we wouldn't have enough to make for everybody to, to pay for everyone to have a little bit of food. But uh, this young boy here has, has two small fishes, and it does say small, and uh, five loaves of bread. And uh, he, he's, he's willing to give them up, essentially. And we all know the story. Jesus was able to take those and uh, spread them amongst the 5,000 people, over 5,000 people. Everybody was able to eat that day, and they, they sent the boy home with 12 baskets of food. Now, the math doesn't really math on that type of thing, but uh, it, it, it was very much a, uh, a description of, of, of what you can give. It doesn't have to be much. It's who you're giving it to that makes all the difference. It's, uh, I, I knew for one, one thing for sure, I didn't have much to offer. I'm nobody special. I'm, I've got, I'm not very eloquent. I'm, not, uh, I'm a bit funny. But, uh, <laughs> but I didn't have anything spiritual. I didn't have anything to offer God. He didn't already have. But I was willing. And that's all it takes. I'm, uh, I'm still working on my Spanish. I'm not fluent yet. But uh, one thing I've learned is that I can, I can witness in Spanish now. Praise the Lord. I was, that was something I achieved before our uh, survey trip ended. But uh, it's, not, it's not a... Uh, 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 beautiful presentation of the gospel it's me talking it out with these these spanish people and just trying to get through it sometimes but it doesn't matter because my, my, i'll usually uh, i'm gonna stop myself start over there so when i go to witness somebody in spanish i'll uh, i'll take out a track i'll ask them can you help me with my spanish i'm trying to practice i'm not very good at it and they'll usually say oh i'm not very good at it either let's talk and uh, <laughs> i've gotten that answer several times but uh, I'll, I'll tell them, you know, do you know for sure you're going to heaven one day? And they'll say no. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell them, can I, can I show you what the Bible has to say? And uh, I'll ask them, you know, what does this verse say? Because I can get tripped up on, on reading. I'm, I'm having trouble enough speaking at times. So they'll read, you know, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I'll talk to them a little bit about it. And I'll say, what does this verse say? And they'll read the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And in a few short minutes, they've essentially witnessed to themselves. And it's not, it's not because I'm some kind of genius work, you know, working my way into convincing them to, to, to witness to themselves. It, it, it's just a, a matter of saying God doesn't need somebody that's fluent in Spanish necessarily. He just needs somebody that's willing. Now, it can be a bit painful sometimes when I, when I talk in Spanish. It feels like I'm talking like a five-year-old, and it probably sounds like it too. But it doesn't matter how, how capable you are because God's not looking for somebody capable. He's looking for somebody that's willing. He's already capable enough. That's right. I... Uh, I, I told the Lord that year, that, that, that year at camp, I said, I'll, I'll give my life to the Lord. I don't know what he wants me to do or anything like that. And I remember specifically, we were having a testimony time at the end of the week, and, and preacher looked at me and said, what does that mean? And I said, well, everyone else said it. It sounded pretty good. But uh, you're asking me. And I, I said, well, it means doing what God says, following where he leads, and, and going there without question. And it really, it really resonated with me that I didn't have to... I didn't have to have some very, uh, you know, sky-opening God telling me exactly where to go or what to do. I already know what I'm supposed to do. You're supposed to, you know, go to church. You're supposed to read your Bible. You're supposed to pray. You're supposed to go soul winning, those type of things. And uh, Proverbs 16, verse 3. I'm going to turn there real quick because I don't remember it off the top of my head because I'm nervous. But uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3. There it is. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. I, that's my life verse there. When I, um, when, I, when I told God, you can have my life, do it with it what you want, I, I knew there wasn't, a, uh, some, some, there wasn't some period of time coming where God would say, all right, time to start working. I knew there was stuff I was supposed to do. I knew there was stuff I wasn't supposed to do. It's just as simple as following God's orders, God, God's commands he's already given us. And I'm not perfect, not by any means. I'm not better than anybody in this room. But I did know that if I continue to do what, what God has me to do, maybe, uh, maybe one day he'll, he'll give me an opportunity to serve in ministry full time. Maybe, uh, maybe one day I'll just be, I'll be like my father. I'll be a, a, a layman working and, and serving God with my life, bringing a, a family to church and growing in the Lord. But one thing I knew for sure is if I was willing and I was 
uh, if I was willing to be used by God and God was going to use me, I knew he, he could do a lot more with a, with a clean vessel than with a dirty one. Amen. So I just I did what I knew was right. And it's not that I'm any better than anybody for it, but I knew what to do and I continued to do so. And it wasn't until uh, Bible college, I won't go into the whole story of how my wife and I met because I'm sure she could correct me on some of the details. But uh, we, we were at Bible college. Neither one of us had a date for Harvest Fest. That was their, their dating event for the, the fall there. And uh, we both showed up without a date, and then we saw each other, we got to talking, and, and pretty soon we, we called it a date, and we had another one, and then one after that, and uh, a couple years later we got married. But uh, while I was dating her still, it, it sort of gave me more of a, a focus, more of a, a different perspective, if you will, because I, I, I had thought about, there was a, a year at youth conference, and I'm not even sure what year it was, where I remember God pre- pressing on my heart, well, why don't you be a missionary? And I didn't want to say, I was tempted to say, I want to be a missionary to, to, to Brazil. But I didn't know that that's where God wanted me to go. And I didn't want to make any kind of promise to God that I wasn't going to be able to keep or that he didn't have for me to, to do. I didn't want to, to make up my own calling, if you will. But I, I did have an interest in missions. I didn't uh, fully uh, go into that type of thing until a little later in life. But I was dating her, and I had the opportunity to visit Mexico City. And uh, if you ever get the chance to, I recommend it highly. It's not the prettiest city, but there's a lot of need there. There's a lot of opportunity to serve God, and there's a lot of people's lives you can make a difference in by bringing them the gospel. But uh, I was able to take a look there at the city and just see the, 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 the hopelessness of, of Catholicism and, and sin and all that false religion brings on this world. And it came to a point where I said, God, you haven't called me to go anywhere specific. Can I go here? Will you, will you allow me to go to Mexico? Will you allow me to go somewhere, some, some country I'm not from, or maybe speaking a language I'm not native to, but to, would you allow me to take the gospel to those people? Because I didn't, you know, you don't have to have some type of a special calling. If God had opened the sky and said, Stephen, go to Mexico, I'd still be running that way, folks. I wouldn't have stopped yet. But uh, it, it's not so, there wasn't some, some fantastic moment where God said specifically, go here. But there was a period of time where I said, God, will you allow me to go here? And I spoke with my, my not, not at the time, but now father-in-law, Pastor Kevin Wynn, about it and sort of counseled with him about uh, what opportunities there were and, and how I should get started and such in a, in a country he's clearly had experience in, in being a missionary to. And uh, he, he told me there was an opportunity for us to start planting churches with these graduates. And there's a, there's a lot of room for, for growth. There's a, it's just a really thriving ministry. I could go on for about it for a long time. But the point is... As long as you're willing to go where God wants you to, he'll lead you. As long as you, you make yourself available to him, it's not, there's, there's nothing special about you, there's nothing special about me, but there's something very special about our God and about the hope that he brings. Maybe not everybody in here is called to be a missionary, but everybody in here should be willing to. But uh, I, was, I suppose I was 19, maybe 20 at the time. when uh, I was 20 when my wife and I got married, and shortly before that I had come to terms with... Uh, I, I, uh, prayed enough about it where I felt peace about about going to uh, Mexico and and planting churches and such and we finished up Bible college and we uh, I finished up a semester early I believe and then yeah I finished up a semester early and then we went straight to the field we spent uh, three months on our survey trip learning the ropes and such of course my wife knows them already she grew up there but uh, we, we spent three months on our survey trip we came back here and that's uh, that's when y'all saw me up here last I believe am I missing something here that's my testimony. That's my calling. Was there something? Oh. Give him a hand, would you please? I loved some of the things he said. So you don't know what God wants to do with your life. Just live a clean life. And be faithful to the Lord. Amen. If God wants to send you somewhere, he'll let you know. And that is exactly what God did. By the way, find somebody who wants to serve the Lord too. The Lord did that in Stephen and Wendy's life. And I'm very, very grateful. Based on Stephen's commitment to be faithful to the doctrines that he's been taught from the Word of God, I read to you from 1 Timothy 4, 14. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. And then also Acts 13, 1 through 3. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manan, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. 
As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. When they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Based on uh, Stephen's testimony, his training, his commitment to remain loyal to the statement of faith, I am prepared now to entertain a motion. Uh, Our ordination uh, board tonight, of course, includes uh, myself, uh, my father, Brother Randy Shook, uh, one of our deacons here, Brother Jeff Jarrett, and then uh, Brother Jason Hamilton on our pastoral staff, and Pastor Albert Velasquez. And so to you men on the ordination council, do I have a motion from one of you? that we recommend this man to the gospel ministry. All right. Brother Andy Shipp makes the motion. Jason Hamilton seconds the motion. All in favor, would you lift your hand? Amen. All right. Amen. With the vote of the ordination council, then that brings it to the church family. Church family, you have heard the vote of the ordination council. Do I have a motion now from the church that we grant the authority to lay hands on this man to the ordination council. Do we have a motion to grant the authority of these men to lay hands on our candidate? Spencer Hooser makes the motion. Jordan Schwartz seconds the motion. All in favor, aye. Any opposed with an uplifted hand? All right, then. Stephen, I'm going to ask you to come, if you would, please, and I'm just going to have you come and kneel right here. Uh, and uh, I'm going to ask the four men if you'll come and join me here you can find a place to kneel and pray there if you would and we're going to gather around him and uh, take a moment to pray and uh, I'm going to use this microphone here gentlemen if I may please church family if you church family if you would please while we pray I want to ask you to join also, lift your heart to the Lord, and let's ask God to put his hand of blessing and power upon Stephen Simmons. Amen. And your goodness and mercy to us all. And Lord, it's just wonderful to know that we'll all be in heaven one day. But thank you for the word of God and the will of God, Lord. Brother Simmons, is a wonderful blessing. Thank you for his testimony tonight as he uh, shared his heart with us. But Lord, we're so thankful that you have called him and his precious wife. And Lord, we're thankful for this time of special prayer. For Lord, we ask for the power of the Holy Spirit, for the will of God to be fulfilled in, in just every regard in the life of this precious couple. Give them physical strength, spiritual power, and Lord, just the anointing of the Holy Spirit that they need to serve you and to fulfill your plan for their lives. We're so thankful for the will of God. And Lord, the need is so great there in Mexico. And we pray that you will just bless them, keep them safe, use them mightily. Mm -hmm. Lord, bless them with a family of their own. And, uh, Lord, for this day, we praise you and thank you. We rejoice in the wonderful years and days that lie before us as we seek to serve you with all of our heart. In Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Thank you for Stephen. Thank you, Lord, for the years that we spent with him and growing up. And, Lord, in the department. Thank you, Lord, for his love for his family. Amen. And for his wife and mm-hmm. for the people that you have led him and directed him to go and to work Amen. with. And God, I pray that you please would just fill him with your spirit. Please, dear God. Give him a love and a passion for the word of God and for the truth in it, for sharing that truth with yes. those that you love, Lord, that those that we cannot reach our, ourselves. And so, God, I pray that you would use him in a special way Amen. there in Mexico City and wherever you direct him from here. Protect him, Lord, please. Keep a hedge of protection about him and his family. And use them in a special and a mighty way in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, 
we do lift Stephen this Wednesday out to you, Lord, and we're just so thankful for their surrendered life. Lord, thank you for their testimony, Lord, and his stamps that he's already showed. And Lord, thank you so much for his uh, desire to please you. Hallelujah. And uh, Lord, thank you for the work that he's already put in, Lord, Amen. and the determination that he's got to, Lord, to carry on. Lord, I pray for many doors to be open. I pray for many souls to be saved. I pray for lives to be changed. Lord, I pray that you would keep them safe. I pray that you would just, Lord, just do a, a mighty work there in uh, in Mexico City, Lord, in Mexico, to help them to be, uh, Lord, help them to, to, to be exactly what, what what's needed there. And, uh, and, Lord, just please bless their family and help them to go ahead and, and prepare for the adversity that may come, Lord. And I pray that that you would just protect them and lead and guide them, Lord, and all this we ask and pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity of serving you, Father. Thank you for calling us and allowing us to be part of reaching this world. Father, just ask you to be with Stephen and his wife. Help him, guide him, protect him as they're doing your will. Amen. And Father, just ask you to help him to reach those doors that you have prepared for him. Father, it's not by accident. Nothing that's being done here is by accident. You knew it all along. And, Father, just ask you to help them to show faith and strength and dependence on you, Father. And, Father, that they may be led by your Holy Spirit. They may be filled with your Holy Spirit as he preaches the gospel and reaches families that are needing of you, Father. Thank you for the opportunity of investing in young men. And, Father, just ask you that everything that's being done and everything that will be done could be for your honor and for your glory. Thank you for loving us and using us, although we're not worthy of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I'm rejoicing tonight in Stephen's surrendered life to thee. Lord, what a what a thrill as a young man to know this tenderness toward you. Amen. The wrestling of his soul concerning your salvation and finally yielding to the conviction of your spirit. And then living a life, a dedicated life, a clean life, and having a desire to serve the Lord. They were, he knew not the specifics, but yielding up his life to serve you. Thank you for the way, Lord, that you have guided and directed him, given him a wife with a passion for the Lord and a passion for souls. Thank you, Lord, for the open door of opportunity. Thank you for the great work that he is a part of already, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that many, many, many churches would spring up, Lord, through Central America, through South America, through their efforts, Lord. They'd be great help and encouragement to young men that launch out into the ministry and pastor the church plants. And I pray for just a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God. And, Lord, I pray that tens of thousands, yea, hundreds of thousands of people one day will be in heaven because of the direct or indirect influence of this young couple that has surrendered their lives to your service. And so, Lord, we come tonight. Lord, this young man's been taught your word, what's true and what's right. He holds to it in his heart and in his soul and has agreed to that publicly tonight. And so we lay our hands upon him, Lord. And we commit him to you. Use him mightily. May he be a faithful man. True to you, true to your word, true to his call, his whole life long, until you either take him home or until the trumpet sounds. Amen. To that end, we dedicate him tonight. Amen. For Jesus' sake, amen. 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 Love you, brother. Amen. 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 Brother Hamilton will come at this time to present uh, a gift to Stephen. Stephen Simmons, I'm personally honored to be a part of this year ordination service, and it's a joy of my heart to see our teenagers, our young people, grow up and uh, love the Lord and, in your example, in this way, uh, go out and serve Him. And so I'm thrilled for you and excited for what God has for you. 
And Stephen Sims, upon this occasion, that Bailey's Grove Baptist Church, we send you forth to preach the truths of the Word of God. There's no better tool to be given than a divinely inspired copy of that Word. As a brush to a painter, as a hammer to a carpenter, a wrench to a mechanic, these are all similar ideas of a gift, but none of these quite capture the magnitude of the gift of the very words of God in written form. So Stephen and Wendy Simmons, cherish these words, memorize them, believe them, teach and preach them, and as we send you forth with the word of God, we claim Isaiah fifty-five eleven. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in a thing whereunto I sent it. So Stephen, if you'll come, I have a copy of that word of God. Both of them are uh, receiving a Bible that I have grown to, to love and enjoy using. And uh, I guess everybody has a, a favorite Bible. It's a King James. You don't have to worry about the version. Uh, but the format is, uh, is the old Cambridge uh, 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 press format. And it has room for notes and so forth and, and the columns and things like that. The cross-references have been extremely valuable to me in my study of the Word of God. And so, you know, everybody kind of gets used to a Bible. But this is one that I love and enjoy. So I picked it a little selfishly, I admit that. But I I hope that when you take it and use it, you'll be reminded there's some folks back home uh, that love you and uh, are praying for you. And I know you'll use it wisely. Brother Velasquez, you come, please, sir. Brother Stephen, this is an exciting, amazing time in your life. This certificate is the first step of serving the Lord with the rest of your life, and it's going to be so awesome and amazing to hear reports and how the Lord's going to use you. This certificate is a great and important symbol. There's no higher calling than to preach the Word of God. We are presenting you this certificate of ordination. And it represents not only a calling, but it represents a church family. It also represents an investment. You mentioned that earlier. Hundreds of people have invested in you. And most importantly, the Lord Jesus Christ. You are here because many people invested. And they love you. And they have directed you to this moment so that your lives could be used greatly for God. We give you this certificate with love and trust, and we're going to continue praying that you may fulfill his calling, and may the Lord bless you in this new journey. If you could come on up. In Isaiah 66 and verse number 5. Turn with me if you will please. The Bible says in Isaiah 66 and verse number 5. Hear the word of the Lord, ye that tremble at his word. Hear the word of the Lord, ye that tremble at his word. You'll find three verses prior to this at the end of verse number 2. The phrase, trembleth at my word. 
You'll find in Ezra 9 and verse number 4, Then were assembled unto me every one that trembled at the words of the God of Israel. The word tremble means to shake involuntarily as with fear, cold, or weakness, to quake, to quiver, to shiver, to shudder. Stephen, I want to impress upon you tonight that as a God-called servant of God, you've been given your tool tonight. And your tool is the Word of God. This is not man's word about God. This is God's word to man. And this book ought to be handled with fear and trembling. You and I believe tonight that God has divinely preserved His word for us. That we can trust this Bible from cover to cover. We understand that we've been commissioned by God to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is a high and a holy calling. The wise man said, tremble at his word. We're living in a day and time where casual is all the rage. And even worldly people are a little churchy. And a lot of churches are more than a little worldly. And the fear of God and a trembling at God and at His Word seems to be lost in this generation. Stephen, I want to challenge you. The man of God, the prophet of God said, you handle this book with fear and with trembling, not carelessly. This book is sharper than any two-edged sword. That means it cuts and it cuts deeply. So it ought to be handled with care. It ought to be used often. The Bible tells us that God gave gifts to the church and He gave apostles and, and pastors and teachers. And you're, you're a gift to the church that God has given. Yet someone else that God is sending out to handle His Word. The Bible says by reason of use you become an adult Christian by the way that you use and handle this book right here. And I want to challenge you, Stephen, to take this book and handle it with fear and trembling. Approach the teaching of the Word of God with fear and trembling. Approach the reading of the Word of God with fear and trembling. Approach the study of the Word of God with fear and trembling. Church family, and I say this, when it comes time for the preaching, you ought to get as close to the front as you can, at least where you can see and where you can hear, and sit with people so you can see and so you can hear, and you ought to come and be a little on the edge of your seat and sit up nice and straight, and you ought to have your mind and your heart open to the Word of God, because we're not preaching out of a songbook, we're not preaching out of a out of a, a newspaper, we're not preaching out of a comic book, this is the Word of God, amen? And all of us need a big dose of fear and trembling when it comes to how we handle this book right here. Listen, how dare a man of God gets up to teach this Bible and he teaches it faithfully. You ought not be digging in your purse. You ought not be walking in and out of the auditorium. You ought to be sitting on the edge of the seat with your heart open and there ought to be a certain fear and a certain trembling that God's Word is going forth and ought to be sought out and ought to be listened to and we ought to be tuned in and we ought to be ready to respond to the Word of God. We're living in a day and time where the Bible of the Month Club is making another book. We don't need another Bible. We need to respect and honor the book that God has given and preserved for us. Amen. We need to believe once more in the doctrine of divine uh, revelation that this book is eternal in the heavens, forever settled in heaven, and that God uh, in His in His in His divine plan uh, uh, took His divine revelation. They say, "How old is the Bible? As old as God is." You can't separate a man from His word. And this book right here is God's Word. Amen. Jesus is the living Word. And this is the written Word. And forever, O oh Lord, Thy Word is settled in heaven, the psalmist wrote. And divine revelation in the Bible. It's always been and always will be. Amen. God then, in the process of divine inspiration, took that eternal book uh, and He brought it down to earth for you and I. Amen. Holy men of old spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And by divine inspiration, a process whereby God took His words that have always been up in heaven. He came and He brought them to man. The very words of God, amen, 
God forbid that we neglect this book that is the Holy Word of God. God forbid that we become casual in our Bible reading, in our Bible study. God forbid that we should become casual in our attendance at the house of God where the Word of God is preached and taught. God forbid that His servants take casually the grave responsibility of proclaiming His precious Word. By divine inspiration, He gave it to us. And hallelujah, the Bible says, by divine preservation, Psalm 12, 6 and 7, He kept it for us today. Amen. Let me tell you something. I'm not looking for a new and improved Bible. I have a perfect Bible. Amen. I got an every word Bible. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Amen. This Bible doesn't need to be corrected. It needs to be preached. It needs to be taught. It needs to be lived. Amen. By the grace of God, you've been given the wonderful responsibility of proclaiming God's Word. Come to it with fear and trembling. When you sit down and read your Bible, I I understand sometimes we listen to the Bible on the fly and sometimes we're in a hurry. But when you pick up this book, realize, Stephen, these are the words of God. And there ought to be a certain gravity about that, a sobriety about that. With fear and trembling we come, believing that God speaks to us through His Holy Word. The Bible tells me in Ezra chapter 10, Now therefore let us make a covenant with our God to put away all the wives and such as are born of them according to the counsel of my Lord. The people of Israel had gone their own way, had made unholy alliances, and they wanted to get right with God. And Ezra reads, says these words in verse number 3, And of those that tremble at the commandment of our God, and let it be done according to the law. Not only should we tremble at the word of God, Stephen, but we ought to, we ought to tremble at the commands of God. God's commands are not suggestions. We have this idea in, in modern times that <clears throat> if God says something in His word, we as God's people kind of look it over and we can talk it out. Decide which part we're going to obey, which part we're not going to obey. My friend, you and I ought to come with fear and trembling when we approach the commands of God. I understand the Bible is very clear. Jesus talked about in the New Testament the weightier matters of the law. He told the Pharisees, he said, you tithe, mint and cumin, and some of the particulars of the law they kept, but some of the weightier matters of mercy and so forth, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't uh, t- uh, take care of those. They didn't adhere to those. I understand <clears throat> that uh, there are some things in this Bible that are more emphasized than others. And Stephen, as you preach the Word of God, don't get on tangents. Don't get off on uh, some, uh, 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 some uh, uh, pet doctrine. Don't look for stuff in this Bible that nobody else has found. Amen. God will teach you and God will show you things personally. But sometimes folks, they want to find something. They want to get up and say something nobody else has said. Let me tell you, this book's been around a long time. Amen. And, and, and so you'll be faithful to preach this book. But the commands of this book, even the things you say, well, that's not a real big thing. Well, listen, if it's big enough for God to put in the book, then it ought to be big enough for us to obey. And I grant you, Jesus himself said there are some things that are weightier. There's some things that carry a little more weight than others, some much more weight than others. There are some things that ought to be emphasized. You can emphasize a small thing to, to the actually to the hurt of a congregation. But let me tell you something. If it's in the book, it ought to be believed and it ought to be followed. Amen. Amen. Stephen, you be loyal to the commands of this book right here. Too many, too many, too many of God's servants. I think him. My pastor used to say this, Stephen, he used to say to the families, and I, I think it's a good thing for us to say here tonight, but he used to say this, parents, you watch when your kids become teenagers. Parents have a, ch- a tendency to change when their kids become teenagers. You know, when they're little, you know, <laughs> you have, they cooperate and so forth like that. And then they get teenagers and they want things, they want to do this, they want to do that, and mom and dad somehow lose their backbone. Now, let me tell you something. Mom and dad, you figure out what that book believes? What that book teaches of what you believe, believe that book right there, and you just stay the same. Amen? If one of your kids get off, uh, get off the trail and, uh, and, and get, get in the ditch or something, you just keep on driving down the road. Amen? You just keep on staying straight and staying the commands of God. Now, Stephen, something's happening in my generation, and, and that is this. Many of my peers in, in, in ministry, it seems like to me, this is from my own personal observation, but it seems like some of my peers in ministry, as their children become adults, 
and their children want to do something different. Those men all of a sudden decide some of the things they used to believe don't matter anymore, and they change. Now, you ought to handle those commands with fear and trembling. I'm saying this. Finish the way you started, young man. Finish the way you started. Let me tell you something. If it was true 15 years ago, it's still true tonight. Amen. Amen. I'd like to ask some of my peers in ministry, were you wrong then or are you wrong now? If you stood up with the authority of this book and said this is true, then if it was true then, it's still true tonight. Amen. With fear and trembling. And then he says in Isaiah 64, in a prayer, Oh, that thou wouldst rend the heavens, that thou wouldst come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence, as when the melting fire burneth, the fire causeth the waters to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. That the nations may tremble at thy presence. In Jeremiah five twenty two, we read the words, Fear ye not me, saith the Lord. Will you not tremble at my presence? Stephen, I challenge you tonight, as the Bible says, approach this book with fear and trembling. Follow its commands with fear and trembling. Stephen, turn with me to Exodus, if you would please. Exodus chapter number 3. Exodus in chapter number 3. Lastly, I want to challenge you to always approach the presence of the Lord with fear and trembling. Stephen, when we kneel to pray, the book of Hebrews tells us that we are invited to the throne of grace where we can find grace and mercy to help in time of need. The ability to go directly to God and not have to go through any individual. We don't have to go through a priest. We have a high priest sitting at the right hand of God the Father tonight. Amen. And we get to go directly to God the Father in prayer. When Jesus cried out, it is finished on that cross. The veil in the temple was written too from the top to the bottom. And henceforth, you and I don't have to go through a priest. We go directly. We, that's why we don't bring animal sacrifices anymore. Amen. Because the lamb was slain. Amen. And the veil was rent. We get to go directly into the presence of God. In Exodus chapter number 3, the Bible says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when, notice this phrase, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. As you trek across the pages of the book of Exodus, do it with me tonight, church family. Turn the page to chapter 5. The Bible said, And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord. Look at chapter 6, please, verse 1. Then the Lord said unto Moses. Look at chapter 7, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Moses. Look at chapter 8, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses. Look at chapter 9, verse 1. Then the Lord said unto Moses. Chapter 10. And the Lord said unto Moses. Chapter 11. And the Lord said unto Moses, chapter 12, and the Lord spake unto Moses, 13, and the Lord spake unto Moses, chapter 14, 
And the Lord spake unto Moses. And I won't carry you through all the places. Moses goes up in the mountain. God talks to him. Page after page, we find God speaking to Moses. Go with me, if you will, please. Over unto chapter number 32. The Bible says in verse number 7, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go get thee down for thy people, which thou broughtest down the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf, and have worshipped it, and have sacrificed thereunto. And said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said, Unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it's a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. And Moses besought the Lord his God, and said, Lord, why did thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Moses begins to intercede for God's people. This man whom God has spoken to, this man who has come with fear and trembling time and time again, comes to intercede for the people of God. You find in chapter 33, it begins that the Lord said unto Moses, and then in verse 9 of chapter 33, And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar, descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. Verse 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. What a powerful thing. Throughout Moses' life, Stephen, he communed with God. He interceded with God. When the people turned on him, the people wanted to overthrow his authority. Korah, Dathan, and Abiram decided that he had taken too much power on himself and he was power hungry. Moses humbly reminded them, God put me here, didn't put me here. And a line was drawn and some stood on one side and some stood on the other and God vindicated his servant. But you know what that servant did even when people betrayed him? He prayed for them, he beseeched God for them. Some of them met with judgment because they didn't stand. With God's faithful man. But Moses spent his life in the presence of God. We come to one of the most fascinating texts in the whole Bible to me. We find in verse number 13. Now therefore I pray thee if I found grace in thy sight. Show me now thy way that I may know thee. This is Moses' prayer to his God. That I may find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said my presence shall go with thee. And I will give thee rest. And he, Moses, said unto him, God, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Moses is in the mountain. Moses has spent his lifetime walking with God. Moses has interceded for the people. And Moses is hungry for the presence of God in his life. There in the mount, he cries out a very particular prayer in verse 18. He said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. I beseech thee, show me thy glory. As you know, the word beseech means to beg. This man of God who spent so much time with God, who would approach God with fear and trembling and come into the presence of the Lord, finds himself hungering more and more for the presence of God in his life. And may I say to you, Stephen, all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One come down. For it is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by my Spirit, saith the Lord. And the key to any ministry that's effective for God is a man of God who's consecrated to God, who handles His Word with fear and trembling and takes His commands with fear and trembling, but has a hunger in his soul to be in the presence of God and approaches God with a humility, with a fear, with a trembling and a hunger in his soul for God to manifest himself to that man in his life. Moses had that hunger. And here he says, I beg you, God, 
Show me thy glory. Moses is in the mountain. Verse 19. God speaks and says, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me. Thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass. While my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cliff of the rock, and I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. May I tell you what I believe happened here, my dear friend. We read earlier that, that Moses spoke with God face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. God is a spirit and nobody's, nobody's seen God. It, it, no, nobody's seen God and lived. God, I believe it was God manifesting the flesh just like Abraham did, just like Joshua did. I believe Moses communed with God face to face. I believe the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ came and fellowship with Moses and Moses from the time that he was that shepherd on the backside of the desert, uncertain about his life and uncertain about his future. And God showed up in his life and he heard God's voice and he heard God's call and God said take your shoes off you're on holy crown when you're in front of me you come with fear and trembling and Moses slipped his sandals off and fellowship with his God and throughout this text and throughout the narrative of Moses' life you find him in the presence of God you find him interceding with God's people you find him getting closer and closer to God until a time where he speaks to God and instead of only one man in the holy text that he spoke to God face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And yet Moses is still yet not satisfied. And in the mountain he says, I want to see more of you. I want to see your glory. I want to experience your presence. I want to experience your power. And God said, you can't do that. You'll you'll die. And I'm reading between the lines. But Moses perhaps said, I don't care if I die. I want something from you that I don't have. I want something in my life that I don't experience yet. God said, I tell you what, you get behind that rock. And in the cleft of the rock, God put his hand over the rock. And I believe what happened, Jesus had that conversation with Moses in the mountain. And I believe Jesus, in honor of his request, unzipped that garment of flesh and stepped out in his glorified form. And God walked by that rock with his hand over it. God walked by it backwards like this. Just uh, just enough anymore than surely Moses would not have lived to experience. But God put his hand over the rock. Moses behind the rock. But God put his hand over the rock. Walked out back, back, backwards like that. And Moses got as close to a glimpse of the glory of God in human form. There's a man on this earth that close to the, the uh, a glimpse of the glory of God. The presence and power of God. I think it's any man that's ever lived and when he came down off the mountain the Bible said they couldn't look at his face it's like looking at the sun my point to you is this my dear brother as you handle this book handle it with fear and trembling as you read and understand his commands follow them with fear and trembling but there ought to be something inside of you every, every single day makes you slip your shoes off and get along with God. And as Moses did say, I need something from you I don't have. There are hungry people that need to be fed. There are lost souls that need to be won. And I can't do it in my own power. I need your presence. I need a manifestation of your power and of your glory in my life. And you come with fear and trembling, realizing the God of heaven wants to reveal himself to you, wants to fill you, and wants to use you for his glory. Our prayers are too much like diddly's. Our prayers are too much like vain repetition. Sometimes we need to slip our shoes off and go along with God without much to say except, Oh God, show yourself to me. Show yourself to me. Show your power to me. Give me power to be effective witness. Give me power to preach your word. Give me power to do your work. I cannot do it on my own. The one thing the great men of God that you've learned about in your lifetime had in common. They were hungry for God's presence and power on their life. By the way, Sunday school teacher, that would help you in your class. By the way, mom and dad, you need God's presence and power in rearing those children just like this young man needs God's presence and power as he serves the Lord. 
I need it as your pastor. These men need it as they serve you. My brother needs it as he pastors and shepherds your souls. And every believer needs it. We ought to tremble at his word, at his commands, and at his presence. Would you bow with me, please?